All right. Thank you for joining me once again for the Darren Chatter podcast. In honor of writing my 250th blog, wow, can't believe that, uh, I wanted to pick a topic that I thought would be really relevant and fit a few other uh, parameters, check a few boxes, so to speak. So um, I chose the title of Get Your Money Game Straight. I've been on a big crusade about this lately, working hard in my own life to pay off the last remaining uh, chunk of debt that my wife and I have. And so I wanted to share a few ideas about that in the reading of this blog. So I'm going to read it first, and then I'll add probably some additional uh, thoughts at the end of it as well. So with that said, here we go. In honor of my 250th blog post, I wanted to write something that I thought was, number one, very relevant, two, something I believe firmly in, and three, a good lesson for everybody. I thought about it long and hard, and I settled on this topic. In a world where so much emphasis is put on what car you drive, the label that's on your clothes, the house that you live in, the area of town that you live in, etc., etc., what better topic to tackle? I was guilty of these thoughts when I was younger too, so as typical with these blogs and podcasts, I am speaking from experience. I remember as a kid that I only wanted a specific brand of shirts and shorts to wear to school. They were not cheap, so instead of getting a bunch of stuff for my birthday or for Christmas, I would end up getting one or two items only. I would always be jealous of what my sister would get because she got a bunch of presents because she didn't care so much about the labels that were on the clothes that she wanted. But my allocated expenses or my budget that my grandparents and my parents would set for me only covered a couple of items because I wanted to be trendy and cool. This nonsense carried forward to my high school days too, and I tried hard to fit in with the cool kids that did the same thing but who clearly had a much higher budget than I did. My family didn't have a lot of money, so it was a struggle to keep up, to say the least. I don't know exactly where that peer pressure kicked in enough to make me feel that way, but clearly it did. This may have been the origin of the process of spending more money than necessary to try to impress people that I associated with. I drove more cars than I could afford, as leasing a car quite easily facilitates someone to be able to do that. I bought nice clothes that were no more functional than the less expensive versions. They just had a different label on them. That label cost a lot more and quickly reduced the amount of money that I had. I got a job at 15 to have money to buy things and I did not spend it wisely. By the time I headed off to college, I was a prime candidate for credit card abuse as a way to fund my lifestyle. During college, I was certainly guilty of falling for the bait that Discover Card had set for me, which was buying my name off of a college admissions list and sending me a credit card with a letter enclosed saying, in case of emergency, you should have this credit card so that you can solve problems, financial problems. I fell for it because I was going to school two hours away from where I lived for the first time on my own. And thought, yeah, that makes sense. If I have a a problem with my car or something like that, and I need to fix that, and I don't have the cash for it, I can put it on the credit card, and I can make monthly payments and get it paid off. Sounds like good logic, except about two months into college, 
I found myself buying beer on a case of beer on Friday night on my credit card because I didn't have any cash. And then I was dumb enough to spend the money from the cash that my friends gave me who chipped in on that case of beer. And that was my spending money. So I'm charging all of the beer and whatever else I bought on the credit card. And then I'm spending the money with, from the people who are splitting the cost with me. Stupid on both parts for sure. Not too long after college, I started dating somebody who had the same issue that I did when it came to money. Together, we did some real damage to my credit cards, and pretty soon I was paying over 20% interest on things like dinners out, fancy Valentine's Day gifts. The list goes on and on. Add this to my bad spending habits of also playing on the Pro Racquetball Tour at the time and funding my, a lot of my own travel and things like that, and pretty quickly, I was in debt over $50,000 within just a couple of years. My thought process at the time was that I would get a real job at some point and earn enough money to pay off the credit card balances. The credit cards weren't the problem. The spending habits were. So, of course, the more money I made, the more money I spent, and the problem continued. Fast forward quite a few years, and I meet the woman of my dreams. We went on one date, and I knew that she was the one I had been waiting for. After dating for a year, we moved in together and started splitting the cost of the living expenses. Suddenly, I was faced with the reality that I was about to bring $70,000 of debt into our marriage if we took the next step forward. Not only was I very embarrassed by that, but I also didn't seem to know how to solve the problem. Although I was making more money than at any other point in my life, I barely made a dent in the mountain of debt that I had accumulated. I actually put off proposing to the woman I love because of this. By the grace of God, we, she did not leave after getting impatient and being, uh, living together for five years with no proposal. We talked about the issue, and she agreed to take on this burden with me. Much to my relief, when I proposed to her with my grandmother's ring not too long after that conversation, she said yes. I did not want her to leave, and I realized also that I could not solve this problem without her. Oddly enough, one of the things that was a real catalyst for changing my mindset about money was a head-on collision with a drunk driver in 2015. Nothing like a brush with death to make you see the world differently, right? I was driving my least 200, or sorry, 2014 Toyota Camry at the time of the crash, and within a month, I had gotten my insurance check because the car was totaled, and I went to purchase another Camry. With the insurance check as a down payment, I thought I was finally going to be able to buy a car. Or at least that's what I thought at the time. I didn't buy it outright. I was making payments on it for another 60 months, by the way. And I was driving it for about another 30 days when that first payment kicked in. And that's when it hit me that I had perpetuated the same issue that I had always had. I looked at handling money on a month-by-month -month basis and not the way that a business would. It was time for a change. Soon after this revelation, my wife and I sat down and looked closely at our finances. 
we were lucky to find Dave Ramsey's book, Total Money Makeover, and we committed to following his plan to a T. We did the debt snowball project and ranked all of our debts smallest to largest, factoring in the highest interest rates as well. It seemed like a massive hole to climb out of. But what other choice did we have? However, before long, we hit the first target on our list. It was the smallest amount on a credit card that I had, and if I recall correctly, that was about $2,500. Once we paid that off and scratched a heavy red line through that on the list, it felt so good that we literally had a little celebration that night. I started to see light at the end of the tunnel. I added a part-time job so that I could make more money, and before long, targets number two and three on the list also fell. When she went back to nursing school, we were able to cash flow all of the expenses of school as well as continue to stick to the budget that we had set for ourselves. We followed Dave Ramsey's plan of cutting up the credit cards that we have and vowed to pay cash for everything from now on. We cut way back on our expenses like eating out and entertainment and also buying random things that we thought we wanted but we didn't actually really need. Believe it or not, within two years, we were out from under that $70,000 pile of debt that I had created. Also in two years' time, we had completely changed our lives. Now that she is out of nursing school and working, we have nearly doubled our monthly household income. This means that we can make even more progress. We have all of our credit cards paid off. We own both of the cars that we drive, each of which is about 10 years old, but they're both in excellent shape. And she exited nursing school with no student loans whatsoever. At the writing of this blog, we are one third of the way to paying off our house. Once we accomplish this, we will have a monthly household expense of about $600 and a huge chunk of money every month will go towards our retirement. Throughout this process, I have learned quite a bit. Number one, I no longer buy things based solely on the label that's on them. Number two, I now own two pairs of jeans, one light colored and one dark colored, and that's plenty. Number three, I find great pleasure in seeking out a deal on anything that I buy. Number four, a slightly used item priced at 60% less than what the new version of it is turns out to be just as good. And number five, a car is a mode of transportation. It does not define me in any way, shape, or form. I can honestly say that I no longer give a crap about what other people think about my clothes, my house, or my car. Luckily, I am seeing this trend with other people as well, like Gary Vaynerchuk and even Mark Zuckerberg and Chris Saka and people like that. Although these people are very, very wealthy and own massive homes, they literally wear the same clothes all the time. Their public persona is way more about them personally than the image that they project. I am following suit and using the same approach. I have one nice suit that I have in, on hand in case I need it for work or a formal occasion such as a wedding. I have a couple of dress shirts for if and when I go to a conference for work. Other than that, half of my wardrobe 
either reflects my fly fishing passion or my racquetball pursuits. I will never own a pair of Yeezys or anything that says Supreme on it. There is just no need. And as a side note, I may have aged out of those things anyway. (laughs) So here is the takeaway from this. Do your own thing. Don't fall into the traps of perceived or real peer pressure to look a certain way or drive a specific car. You don't need a house with four bedrooms in it if it's just two people. If you have extra bedrooms, you'll just buy stuff to put in there. They'll sit empty. Your, your relatives don't visit that often. You don't need the, the furniture and all the other things that go in, into those empty spaces. It's just a waste of money. These things do not make you happy. They do not add to your overall personal worth in any way. Carve your own path and do it your way. Stay out of debt so that you never have to eat beans and rice for two years to solve the problem that you created. Get educated about personal finance so you can make the most of what you do earn. And again, keep yourself out of trouble from digging that hole in the first place. If there is anything I can assist with, other than a loan or a monetary gift, of course, please reach out to me through my website at darrenchatter.com. I wish you luck in your endeavors. So some additional thoughts on that, although I think this kind of covers pretty much everything that I wanted to say, is I have friends in a really wide variety of economic status, age, all kinds of different parameters. I used to have a problem personally thinking that, well, my rich friends look down on me uh, and my poor friends look up to me, so I need to do better so that you know I'm, I'm not just in the middle, but I'm working my way towards the top of my peer group. Th- that's, that's ridiculous. My friends don't care how much money I have. They like me as being their friend, and I like them being my friend. It's not about what we do or where we go to dinner. It's about spending time together. It's about having experiences. Some of the best times I've had with my wealthiest friends have been dinner at my house on a uh, six-foot fold-out table in the backyard having a spaghetti dinner that I, my wife and I made for four or six of our closest friends. I literally have friends that are multimillionaires who absolutely love that same approach instead of going to yet another fancy restaurant and racking up a $400 bill for four people for dinner. It, it, despite having tons of disposable income, they know that that experience is no better than dinner in my backyard on a nice evening. Experiences are where it's at. It's not possessions. It's not how many zeros you have in your bank account, all those kind of things. Once you make a certain amount of money to cover your monthly expenses and you handle that money effectively, you're doing better than 90% of the people in the world to begin with. If you have your basic needs covered, you have a car that you can rely on, a roof over your head in a, in a decent house, in a decent neighborhood, you're doing a whole lot better than most people, believe me. Don't overlook that fact. Appreciate what you have, and there are a lot of other uh, benefits that go with spending less money than you make. I'm hoping to retire early because we have the money to do so. I don't want to wait till I'm 65 to retire. I may not be in good enough health to do some of the things I want to do. 
I want to take trips around the world, like to Chile and to New Zealand and places like that to go fly fishing. If I wait till I'm 65, who knows? I may not be in shape physically or mentally to be able to do that. I need to do those things now. So by getting debt-free and having a budget set aside for big trips like that, I will get to check some of those things off of my list that would be once-in-a-lifetime trips for sure. I, I want to make sure that those things happen. I want to take my wife to, to Greece and some of the other places that she has mentioned that she'd love to go to. We need to do those things while we can without compromising our future plans for uh, getting completely debt-free and saving for retirement and those things. It can be done. You just need a strategy to do it. And the first and foremost rule that you need to follow is to not get sucked into keeping up with what everybody else is doing. Carve your own path. Do it your way. Believe me, you'll be much happier when you do. Thank you for joining me on the Darren Chatter podcast. I'm going to be reading some of my blog posts that I have written so that you can consume this information in the, an audio format versus reading the blogs if this is more to your liking. I'm going to share with you stories from my past as, a, as an athlete, as a coach, as a salesperson, as a business professional, as a VP of sales, everything that I have learned and amassed along the way in my 50 years here on planet Earth. I'm going to hope to share with you in order to help you shorten your learning curve, understand maybe a little different way to look at things, and hopefully learn a few things along the way. So here was the podcast you tuned in for. I hope you enjoy it. Please reach out to me when you can and let me know your thoughts. Thank you.